0: Good morning, brothers and sisters, friends, children of God. Welcome back to Jack the Bridge. Just to set the tone, today we're going to read from the Red Network by Elizabeth Dilling, a who's who and handbook of radicalism for patriots. Just to set the tone, once again, this book was written and published in 1934 and I've been stricken and amazed by the relevance uh, in terms of not only the research that was done, but the magnitude of the networks on both sides of the coin. And so this book presents writings from both sides. And ultimately, we're looking at uh, a spiritual war. And some of this writing is a little arcane. It is roughly 90 years ago. However, what is happening now is really just a reflection, a continuation of what we've seen in history and in addition the censorship and other obstructive methods that we've been witnessing with the media and with the written word uh, they the influence has been there since long before you and i were born And as it says in Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. In fact, all that has been done has been done. So anyway, let's move forward. Here we go. Part one, miscellaneous articles, Russian Revolution. Do we want it here? to one who has seen Russia unblinded by the propaganda of a few model institutions shown to tourists and built by foreign brains and capital. This talk of revolution here is better econo- to better economic conditions strikes terror to the heart. One recalls those great civilizations in history, which were laid to waste and were then for centuries unable to rise again. In the Moscow Museum of the Revolution, I saw racks and racks of photographs taken during the Russian Revolution and its attendant famine. These pictures of people who starved to death lying in the streets where they fell, cannibalistic views of dead mothers and babies with half-eaten bodies, and revolutionary scenes of stark horror and misery were revolting past description. The Soviet government... Woman guide, showing us these, said she had lost two members of her own family in this famine and had seen worse scenes herself around Odessa. Later, I shuddered as I heard her announce, there is no use to waste time here in the foreign department of the museum. You people all read newspapers you know what we are doing in China, Spain, and in your own country. Our strikes and all. Our world revolution will start with China and will end with the United States. In this department is a map of the United States redistricted and with our cities renamed as they are expected to be when the red flag weighs over the White House. On this map, Cleveland is renamed Ruthenburg. Detroit is Lewistown. Etc. Since I heard these ominous words of our guide, the December 24th, 1931 issue of *Imprecor* announced that the Soviet power has already been set up over its sixth part of China. The Communist Daily Worker of April 5th, 1932, in an article entitled The Growth of the Soviet Power in China, gave details of great new Red Army victories in China. No wonder communists demonstrate in front of Japanese embassies against imperialist war on China. In January 1933, authorities reported seven provinces and at least 80 million Chinese Sovietized and an inner soviet Chinese-Soviet state, which had been an army of many thousand troops trained by German and Russian officers. Officers, arms and supplies were being sent from the USSR by an ancient caravan route through Outer Mongolia, a large territory practically annexed to the USSR after a revolution was engineered there in 1921, a point the League of Nations remains strangely silent about. Sovietization is increasing steadily in China." The dirty, drab dilapidation of Russia, with its uncurtained, broken windows, and unprepared, unrepaired roofs, but with idle crowds roving the streets, bespeaks the loss of private ownership, which always fosters personal interest and initiative. Communism has indeed abolished wealth in Russia. The wealth of those liquidated millions of intelligentsia, aristocratic, middle, and small landholding classes who have been killed or leveled down has made way for universal property. 30% of the poorer portion of 160 million Russian population still remain to be dispossessed or liquidated, and so unceasingly, great chain loads of those resisting collectivization travel the rails to Siberia. Ellery Walter counted recently, In four weeks' time, 17 trainloads, some 40 cars long of such people, men, women, and children, peered out at him through the bars. They were en route to hard labor, prison camps, or death in Siberia. Siberia is now populated as never before with exiled peasants who have spoken bitterly about or resisted the giving up of their pigs, cows, or little homes, or nearly all of the grain, or have offended by upholding religion, and consequently are being punished as counter-revolutionaries or damagers. When over 1,000 communists rioted in front of the Chicago School of Board offices, March 27, 1932, they bore a placard, we want Soviet conditions here. Some misguided Americans openly or covertly, are echoing this sentiment. The universities seem to have joined the gutter communists in going red. They unite in using the argument that inasmuch as the American economic system has collapsed, we must have Russian revolution to right matters. Owing to the spirit of Christian, not atheist, mercy, mercy deeply ingrained in the American people. No one is starving or will starve here who asked for aid. I compare the miserable food and living conditions of Russians who work with the rations of our county and charity unemployed poor to the latter advantage. Moreover, No free-born American can conceive of the Soviet despotic regulation of the smallest personal matters of conduct and conversation, nor understand the haunting fear of the terrorist secret police, which even the American tourist in Russia senses. Much less would Americans want to live under such Soviet conditions here. While I was in Moscow, factory workers who had long protested bad working conditions decided to strike. At once, soldiers and machine guns surrounded the factory. The workers were given 15 minutes to decide whether to work or be blown to bits. Well, they worked. The present economic condition, depression, or collapse is not as unprecedented as was the era of prosperity which just preceded it. No other country at any time has ever had a standard of living, a condition of general welfare to compare with ours. Since our struggling little 13 colonies pioneered through to the foundation of this nation, we have survived wars and many depressions or collapses without halting our upward march and without ceasing to be the Mecca of the whole world immigration barriers have been necessary to hold back the multitudes drawn here by the opportunities and liberty offered under our form of government africa south america and other lands have soil and resources as rich but they have lacked their government and those american principles which have inspired progress in the people of all nationalities have come here to make America their home. Macaulay, the historian, said, your republic will be pillaged and ravaged in the 20th century, just as the Roman Empire was by the barbarians of the 5th century, with this difference, that the devastators of the Roman Empire came from abroad, while your barbarians will be the people of your country and the products of your own institutions. Within each person lies the spirit and the power to help guide events in this nation, either toward Russian Revolution with all its horrors or upward toward firmer American principles and new American progress. Will our people rise in this crisis as they have before or will they at last fall? That depends on you and me. Communist Organization in the USA Under Soviet Supervision. Communist revolutions do not just happen. They are offered and planned from Soviet sources. The Better America Federation compiled the following information. The Politburo of the USSR, the Executive Committee of the Central Committee of the Communist Party of Russia, nine men, controls the Torkpred spelled T O R G P R E D or controlling organization for the Soviet government's activities in the US Torgpred is organized in 3 departments one is a Rav the military or naval espionage having as heads to von spets, military or naval specialists of high rank. Rajvipandra is composed of three sections. Section one has charge of gathering information relative to the Army and Navy. Section two has charge of organizing communist centuries of Or one hundreds, which are to be the framework of the revolutionary army. Section three has charge of abolishing military power. Also, the organized espionage. It is further composed of nine branches. One, operations branch. Two, information branch. Three, disarmament branch. Four, naval branch. Five, aeronautical branch. Six, transportation branch. Seven, bacteriochemical branch. Eight, Anti militaristic branch. Nine. Liaison with Moscow. Another of three sections of TwerkPred is the Cheka OGPU or State Political Police, secret in practically all of its activities and personnel, and with the following functions A. Department of Investigation. B. Education of anti revolutionary masses. And C organization of assaults on individuals condemned by Cheka. D, protection of prominent communist officials who are at any time in the U.S., whether on the open missions or, as is usually the case, incognito. Qualifications required of Chekas in the U.S. are as follows. One, must speak and write English correctly. 2. Must know American history and political economy. 3. Must study minutely and in minute detail the political activities of the parties of the US. 4. Must send a daily report to Torkpred. 5. Must dress correctly in style. 6. Must hide their identity as well as their functions. 7. Must never have on their persons in case of arrest anything which will compromise the party capitalized party or anyone connected with the party eight when doing a job must be certain they are not being watched and if watched escape at all costs nine never speak of their assignments even to comrades 10 never call a comrade in public 11 in case arrested never confess not even when told their fellows have confessed Twelve, before appearing in court, prepare defense carefully beforehand and then speak as little as possible. Thirteen, when arms or explosives are found on an arrested checkist, he will wear that he will swear that he found them on the street or they were handed to him by an unknown person. Fourteen, in prison do not speak to anyone, not even those who arrested you. They may be spies. Fifteen, get a communist lawyer if possible. Speak only in his presence. Sixteen, how to maneuver policemen and judges is the first duty of the arrested communist. Violations of any of the above rules cause the check is so violating to be considered and treated as anti-revolutionist. The third branch of Torquette is Amtorg, so-called commercial agency of the Soviet government in the U.S., under which the IKKI, the executive committee, under the control of Comintern, Communist International. In the U.S., I.K.K.I.'s mission is to direct the action of the American Communist Party. It studies the possibilities of action. The function of I.K.K.I. is as follows. One, organizes centuries. A. In clashing or strife groups. And B. In combat groups. In parentheses, armed communists. 20,000 arms had already been imported in 1930 for this purpose. Two, obtains arms in foreign countries. Three, organizes specialist corps to manufacture grenades, bombs, and explosives. Four, formulates plans for disarming the police and loyal troops. Five, operates to break up all groups of loyal fighting workmen when the revolution starts and to destroy when unable to capture all tanks, cannon, machine guns, and other weapons, which the loyal proletariat might use. Six, details and instructs reliable men who at the zero hour will arrest you and put, you to, put to death magistrates, police heads, and police officers. Seven, to seize quickly all barracks, city halls, public buildings, and newspapers. Eight, to seize and strongly occupy all public means of transportation, stations, and piers. Nine to use sabotage on all state equipment, bridges, telegraphs, and telephones, railroads, army trucks, powder mills, aviation camps, barracks, police stations, banks, and newspaper newspapers. Which it left undestroyed. W- which, if left undestroyed, will aid this the state to quell the revolution. The IKKI section must be entirely composed of American citizens who must conform themselves strictly to the instructions from Moscow. Clarence Hathaway of the national central committee of the party spoke one hour January 21st, 1934, at the Chicago Coliseum on Leninist policies for seizure of power and said they already had men in the Army and Navy ready to turn their guns on their officers and the the capitalist class as they did in the Russian Revolution. And in turn, any war into Red Revolution. He emphasized the point that we must be ready and prepared to destroy everyone who puts up any struggle against us. An audience of 10,000 Reds cheered him and booed the American flag as it was paraded up and down the aisles by men dressed as U.S. soldiers. Led by a man dressed to represent a capitalist, holding a big yellow bag with a dollar mark on it, a huge red flag was then dropped from the top of the stage and the audience applauded enthusiastically. The Communist Party and Religion. The Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, Mother of Harlots, and Abominations of the Earth, Revelation 17.5, is the world's first government to raise the flag of absolute hatred and enmity to God Almighty. It not only makes no secret of its satanic Marxian atheism, atheism, but finances and boastfully backs the immoral sex and militant atheist movements over the world the world over In addition to surpassing the worst days of pagan Rome and its wholesale murder, persecution, and exile of Russian Christians, it endeavors to kill the souls of the young generation by prohibiting all teaching of God to children, by urging children to publicly disown non-atheist parents, by urging parents to turn over children to atheist state control, by blaspheming God and Jesus Christ always and everywhere in the communist press, in plays, in anti-religious parades and pageants, and in nauseous cartoons placed in former churches. Its birth control societies there and in America are for the purpose of facilitating immorality and encouraging promiscuity and the abolition of Christian marriage. Communism blasphemes not only against the Son of Man and all churches, but against the divine spirit under any name or form whatever. The Socialist Party and Religion. The nineteen oh eight Convention of the Socialist Party adopted a plank in its platform which stated the socialist movement is primarily an economic and political movement. It is not concerned with the institutions of marriage and religion. Agnostic Victor Berger backed this this plank As did Unterman, delegate from Ohio, who started off his speech in its favor by declaring himself to be a thorough atheist who argued, would you expect to go out among the people of this country, people of different churches, of many different religious factions, and tell them they must become atheists before they can become socialists? That would be nonsense. We must first get these men convinced of the rationality of our economic and political programs. The May 9th, 1920 Socialist Party Convention adopted a Declaration of Principles, which urged complete separation of church and state and allowed freedom of conscience to worship or not as one pleased. At this same time, David Berenberg of the Socialist Rand School reported to the Socialist Party International Executive Committee on the book to be published that August, by the Socialist School's Publishing Association connected with the Rand School, it was entitled Socialist Sunday School Curriculum. The Lust Report sums up its review by saying the purpose of this book was to inculcate in the minds of children from a very early age a distrust in the government of this country as now constituted, a belief that religion is one of the instruments invented by capitalists for the oppression of workers and to lead them to accept the revolutionary principles of the socialist movement. Christian Socialism Modernist Protestant churches under the influence of the the radical federal council of churches penetrated with communistic propaganda, unsure of allegiance to Christian doctrines, are weak and divided foes when not actual allies. Of the advancing menace of the Bolshevism and atheism now assailing America from the schools and universities, the press, the pulpit, the lecture platform— and radical politicians. Three facts stand out. Marxism is atheism. Both socialism and communism are Marxism. The only difference being that socialism covers over its atheism with a garment of Christianity when camouflage is expedient, while communism does not. Cooperation with Marxism is cooperation with atheism. Christ has warned us against trying to serve two masters, saying, "He who is not with me is against me." Also, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for that for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate," saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. eleven Corinthians seven fourteen through seventeen. The ABC of communism has truly stated that it is impossible for a man both to believe in God and to serve the Marxian cause. Even though a Christian may believe that he is no less a Christian, or that he, in fact, is even a more practical Christian through accepting Marxism with a mental reservation concerning its immorality and atheism. Still the fact remains that he is aiding those who have no such mental reservation, but whose fixed, immediate, and ultimate purpose is the destruction of Christianity and its moral principles everywhere. The intermediary stage... Of true socialism, which is called Christian socialism, is a smeary mess of conflicting market Marxism and religious sentimentality, which is referred to facetitiously by really by real communists and socialists as the kindergarten of red radicalism. Socialists agree that a consistent socialist must lose his Christian faith. The pity is that so many who have lost it continue to usurp pulpits. Three, Christian socialists do cooperate actively with atheist communists. This whole book is an illustration of that fact. One may search in vain for the prominent Christian socialist who is not working with and for atheist communists. As one becomes familiar with the names in the various red organizations, the truth becomes apparent that Christian socialism and communism are branches of the same movement." Their members mingle on the same committees, they arrested in the same strikes and riots, and they share funds with the same sources. They unite in defending Satan's base, godless Soviet Russia. In tactics, Jesus Christ teaches that God is the father of all life, that the family unit and marriage are indissoluble, that parents should love their children And children should honor their parents, that Christians should exercise love and charity toward their neighbors, that no political kingdom of worldly power should be sought by Christians as such, but rather personal kindness and a mastery over self. Any government will be good if it is composed of good persons and has and no government can be good that is built by persons of godless and immoral principles. Goodness is a day-to-day personal achievement, a contest with evil, which constantly breaks down and must be taken up again. Anyone who says that theories of Marx and Christ are alike is either a hopeless idiot or a willful deceiver. But the siren call of Marxism to the altruist, who claims to the title of Christian for the sake of lingering sentiment or financial or political expediency, is that... It promises to obtain by foul means a pure, just, classless, equalitarian society, by means of rage and hate to usher in the reign of brotherly love, by means of plunder and gory class war to achieve peace, and by means of anti-moral propaganda to elevate mankind, by discouraging the lazy, incompetent, and debauched man from the belief that his condition is in any way the result of his own faults, but rather that all sufferings and inequalities are due to capitalism. It promises to eradicate these sufferings through revolution. The kindly man cannot see that, as Hearnshaw says, socialism debilitates and demoralizes those who it, those who it seeks to secure. It is the cry of the adult babyhood for public nurses and pat bottles and by means of dolls Poor relief, free meals, free education, free medical services, free everything, all paid for by the industrious and careful. It breeds and fosters a vast, demoralized mass of paupers and vagrants, battening contentedly and permanently upon the industry of their more efficient and self-respecting neighbors. The ultimate source of our social evils is not economics, says T.W. Headley. In Darwinism and modern socialism, and as soon as we realize that whatever social malady we have to deal with, it originates with human weakness and folly more than outward circumstances, we have a principle to guide us. Under Methodist turned socialistic, just a note, this next part of this reading is somewhat arcane, but It gets right to the point, and it reflects exactly what we're looking at. Back to the reading. The Reds play upon the Negroes' love of their own people and represent them as persecuted in order to inflame them against the very white people who have have in reality given the colored race far greater opportunities than their fellow Negroes would give them in Africa today. Only recently, the U.S. government was protesting slaveholding by colored officials in Liberia. The Reds look upon the Negroes as their greatest hope. They want them to do their dirty work in stirring up bloody revolution and to bear its brunt. Then, whether the Reds win or lose, the Negroes will be the losers, for the Sovietization is slavery. The Negroes are made to believe that the communists practice complete racial and social equality and that the only, that only when a communist government is set up in the United States will the Negroes obtain equality and freedom from exploitation by white bosses. Sociability is one, not forced. Force on this point only engenders real antagonism, even bloodshed. Finally, I'm going to read you uh, an excerpt from the description of one of one member of the network, and there are several—I mean, hundreds of people identified um, and basically doxed. In this book, but yeah, it's an interesting take on this. And I want you to hear this because it very much has to do with appealing to middle or upper middle class, uh, housewives in order to get the point across. Uh, basically the epitome of taking inventory pre wokeness, let's call it. Here we go. In quotes, Red Ravinia, Carl Hessler, several years ago, because of the activities of certain Red Clique, Ravinia acquired the nickname Red Ravinia in neighboring communities. Carl Hessler spoke at the Ravinia Women's Women's Club April thirteenth, 1932, in favor of communism and violent red revolution in America. His audience was composed of well-dressed women who enjoy the comfortable homes, great new inventions, and educational benefits of church and school, which the new American capitalistic system has fostered as never before in the world's history. To be sure, Hessler is a past master at the art of revolutionary propaganda. His own account Of how he and a few others incited the strike of 3,200 fellow prisoners in Leavenworth Penitentiary demonstrates practical ability with no doubt, which no doubt helped him to secure his present position as Chicago head of the communistic propaganda news gathering agency, the Federated Press. In appearance, Hessler is harmless, even effeminate. And before the women's club, he impl- employed to perfection the manner of a sweet, startled deer beseeching its captors for mercy, which is so appealing to the mother instinct. He told the ladies he wanted to avoid offending one and apologetically asked that his propaganda be regarded as an academic question, not a question of life and death to all of us. By all the subtle arts of indirection and innuendo, he proposed a revolution of terror and confidence. As smoothly as though he were offering his listeners a charming prospect or a chocolate cream. And most of them seem to accept it as such hester 's introductory remarks were that while he was not a member of the club laughter, he felt that he had taken part in its life through its, through his wife, who had acted as program chairman, secretary of the board, etc., for over ten years. After hearing this, I could well understand the difficulty of patriotic citizens and club members have had in trying to combat Red influence in Ravenia, where where the, the Hesslers live just want to note that also identified um as as part of the movement uh were Gandhi uh someone named Glenn Frank Albert Einstein J Adams G Bromley Oxnam and uh Mr Carl Hessler who I read to you about earlier um also highlighted are are Roosevelt appointees uh and this is I believe Roosevelt had just become president. And, uh, the, the fact is that, uh, this insidious movement has been very pervasive. And, uh, the bottom line is that this is just an excerpt that I've read you a few, maybe seven excerpts from this book, but really, History is repeating itself, Uh, and, and we are in a spiritual war. We are dealing with spiritual iniquity in so many realms, and what we have to do, you and me, all of us, is bring it back to God. And it isn't just turn it over to God, but it's to be active and it's to be active the way we really are we're we're really tribal and regionalistic in our hearts that's that's what we're made to be nobody wants to be one of a billion um uh, at least at least as capitalists we don't we were given free will and here we are as uh, what i like to write i got a great t-shirt a couple years ago free speech more important than your feelings Anyway, I'd like to conclude with the Lord's prayer. So let's please sit still and bow our heads. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do the next right thing. Stay the course. Jesus Christ loves you. And I guess I do too. Have a great day.